Hello and welcome to another episode of Fantasy Book of the Month. It's me, your favorite host, Dan Evanson, and this week we're talking about fantasy books because it's the name of the podcast. I picked the book this time, and we're going to talk about it with my fellow hosts, Katie. That's me. And Nick. Howdy, howdy. And Peter. I guess I'm not your favorite host. It's nope, it's just me. Oh, it's just Dan. You are <laughs> number two or lower. Never, never, never mind. It's okay. Rachel yeah, is the, not joining is... us, but she did want to say oh, right, she enjoyed right. the book. We are, you know, pretty proud of her for doing that. Yeah, <laughs> it got strange. the Rachel seal of approval. So that was amazing. But also she was on vacation and also had, like, bad allergies. Direct quote. Yeah, not a five-star <laughs> book, but pretty good. Not a How the rest quote. of us like it, you'll have to listen to the whole episode. You just get a taste of the Rachel up front, and then the rest of us <laughs> trickle on. Yeah, phrasing. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how she's going to feel oh, about that. Ooh, buddy. <laughs> Luckily, she, she, never, she never listens to the episodes, does she? What book are we talking about? It's Dragon's Bane <laughs> by Barbara Hambly. <laughs> Not Dragon Bane. Not the Bane of a single dragon. The Bane of dragons. All all the dragons are Bane. Not Dragon's Bean. (laughs) Not the Bean of dragons. No. Goodness, no. So put on your masks and embrace the Bane. I was born in this. (laughs) I was born in dragons. It's me, Morkaleb. (laughs) (laughs) yes just to make that joke fully understandable morcaleb was the name of the dragon in this book and i love morcaleb he is a real son of a bitch most of the time (laughs) but that's kind of par for the course for dragons it seems like yeah he's just he's just real dragony and i like it yeah i mean uh, also, he's actually a character, like yes. A plus on that. Yeah, this but. so Dragon's Bane, written by by Barbara Hanley way back in 1985, uh, when I was a scant six years old, and none uh, nobody existed except for Peter, I guess. So. I was a little baby. I'll be there in nine uh, years. <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> I'll a, just keep an awful shut. nine years without you, Katie. Aww. I don't know how we made it. We did by reading uh, Barbara Hambly, of course. Yeah, uh, I picked this book because it's one of my favorite, like, really kind of pure fantasy novels from the way back. I it was suggested to me um, listening to a talk at some somewhere way back, like ten years ago. Uh, by Brandon Sanderson, and he said that this was the book that sort of inspired him to first start writing uh, fantasy novels. And I said, well, I really like that Brandon Sanderson fellow. I gotta check this out, see what it is. And I love this book. I think it's a a very different kind of voice from the rest of like any fantasy book or science fiction I read from that period. I typically do not enjoy like older fantasy stuff i just and voice is usually the reason why 
like uh, we were talking about possibly uh, doing the uh, Nine Princes in Amber by Selesny. <laughs> hate that book. Hate it. Can't stand oh, it. Oh, man. Uh, there's just a like arrogant man <laughs> to a lot of those books. And like this could not be more the opposite of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in a lot of ways. So. One one real strength of this book is, I think, the fact that the, the 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 woman is the main character, and I'm sure that that benefited substantially from being written by a woman, and uh, the fact that this was published in 1985 is a huge departure from the dominant science fiction fantasy of the time, and I find that really impressive and i did really enjoy that element of it well not only that um the main character jenny she is a woman in her late 30s mm -hmm. i mean how often do you get that point of view in fantasy and not only that but a woman in her late 30s who has been uh prioritizing her career Right. If you want to if you want to lay out the parallels to a modern day person, mm -hmm. um, you know, she is a parent, but she, you know, she's not a stay at home mom. She she leaves her kids at home 90 percent of the time and goes off and focuses on being the, the best darn witch she can be. And she's an awesome witch. Yeah, it was a really odd perspective of her. Like every time she talks about her kids, she's like. God, why'd I have these kids? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I should have just focused on magic. Damn it. But then at the same wow. time, she's like, ah, but you know what? For some stupid fuck all reason, I like <laughs> them. And it's just I think, awful. <laughs> I think my favorite line in the book was when she said that she felt like she always loved her kids either too much or not enough. Yes. Yeah. That's a, it's a late line in the book. It's a really good one. And I think, honestly, I, I connected with that line. Um, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of parents would identify with that line. I certainly did, yeah. <laughs> so so kudos to Hambly for, for that level of insight into people and putting it into her writing in a believable, uh, absorbable way. I also... I... I also love that, like, we have a character who comes into their greatness. I mean, we, we already mentioned that she's in her late 30s, but, like, she comes into her greatness at a much older age. Whereas typically yes. in fantasy, all of these characters are, like, 16 and, like, suddenly leading armies and shit, you know? Yeah, and, and I mean, the fact that the author made her the main character is a statement, right? She's the main character despite being next to the the older dragons uh dragon's bane uh who is i don't know in his 30s also or in his 40s or something like that and has successfully killed the dragon and is being called on to return as the hero and save the kingdom from another dragon and also you know since you brought brought it up being next to the the young lord um who is like in his teens or something like that and in a less thoughtful book would be the hero. Do you guys right. want to know my first note that I wrote about Gareth, the 18-year-old lord? I yes, do. Absolutely. I do want to know. 
<clears throat> Direct quote from my notebook. Gareth is such a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bit All of right, a dweeb. Yeah. He kind of he kind of comes onto the scene uh, very early and is just like uh, a comic relief almost. Like he comes in Sunshine trying and to rainbows. Oh, <laughs> well, he comes in trying to save the day. Ends up like slipping on his ass and needing to get saved himself. It's just yeah, yeah, comical. I mean, he very much represents just kind of generic high fantasy, right? Not only in the fact that he would have been the hero in a lot of those other books, but also his uh, attitude towards adventure is he's, you know, in in character, he's coming from the perspective of someone who's studied all the ballads and the stories about people who have slain dragons. And he has a very high, heroic, polished, not dirty outlook or expectation. And so he is himself a statement on what published fantasy is. Mm-hmm. And you guys want to know my second note on I Garrett? I do, I do, yes. <laughs> it's an arrow from the first note to the second one, and it just says, <laughs> okay, he's getting better. The v- Aww, he does get a little getting better. better. Yeah, yeah he, you, you, he... You love him by the end, better. I mean... He's like a yeah, he he's, gets, like, he's like a little brother or a nephew by the end, in a way, you know. Yeah. Still annoying. You still want to push him, you know, sometimes. But <laughs> but gosh darn it, I care about the kid. I hope he does yeah. well. You know. He does get into trouble a lot, also. Yeah. He is <laughs> kind of the one that's just like stumbling into danger at every moment to help our main characters. Know because what it's the, the honorable thing to do. Well, yeah, and in another book, that would be fine. He would stumble into trouble, and then he would hero his way out of it. And in this book, you just can't. You have to. You have to make hard decisions. Um, I really love what you said, Peter, about how in another fantasy book he would be the hero because throughout the story, John, the Dragon's Bane, continually mm-hmm. refers to Gareth as my hero. Yeah, yeah, or or yeah, exactly. He. Exactly. And the book is very aware. The author was clearly Mm -hmm. very aware of what she was writing and what the dominant uh, uh, attitude or or representation of fantasy was at the time. And she was absolutely writing against type or against that type. And I love it. I have a lot of respect for it. Yeah. And and two or even maybe like four different levels, because, you know, John Averson, the Dragon's Bane, is himself a you know the the competent uh common hero uh yes and and she makes him a little more um you know outside of the grain by making him a naturalist who is like studying the world uh but he still uh is to some extent like heroic in his nature uh whereas jenny who is is the main character of the book doesn't it spins the maybe the first two thirds as as more observational really than anything else. She's there and helping people whenever she can, mm-hmm. but is purely support until like we get two thirds of the way in and she's sort of thrust into because everybody else is like horribly injured. Yeah, uh, I would she, like to she disagree has to kind of take over. a little bit because yes, she is supporting, but she's also a 
fucking badass with her halberd. Yes. <laughs> and it, it keeps describing she... her as like this short little woman who gets confused for gnomes and mewinks, whatever the fuck those are. And she's like carrying around this fucking pole arm. It's like, damn girl. Yeah, no, she's great. I mean, the, the book opens on with, on her as she is heading into town from, you know, this, this remote frontier town from her even more remote home. Um, and she is, you know, like creeping along with her horse and her magic senses, which the book takes every opportunity to uh, explain to us or remind us in her voice uh, are weak, that she has weak magic because she has not spent enough time cultivating it that if she had spent more time studying and meditating and less time you know having kids and being in love and helping her her community that she would be a stronger witch uh but she's creeping along and she detects with her magic senses some bandits on the road ahead and she very carefully using subtle magic because her powers are weak and she can't do anything strong or direct confuses them and distracts them and blinds them and then is walking past with her horse when uh when gareth the the, the idealist hero <laughs> yes when gareth the fuck swoops in and is like what's going on oh bandits oh no and then she has to save Direct his ass book. yeah um, then she has to save his ass with her badass halberd, where she like swing, you know, has a fight with some guy and guts him, and then runs off to chase away the other bandits from Gareth, and then comes back to the guy that she, you know, eviscerated and who's dying on the ground. And like, all right, I'm gonna end your life with magic because it's the nice thing to do, I guess. And she just does it. She has, man, she got balls. <laughs> I love Jenny. She's great. Yeah. yeah I, 100%. I think that like her perception of power too is also like sort of unreliable because she first off is just she's aware enough to know what her limits are and she works within them very intelligently. That and is a, that is a we, really we also, good point that her yeah. The only also the only people we see who have magic in this entire story really are just um jenny and zyron really yeah and and zyron yeah. is like led to be oh she's so much more powerful but like she didn't practice at all really in the way that right. jenny did so like maybe jenny is the most powerful mage that's ever existed without cheating for all she knows you know what i mean right who knows i mean well so but you're right that she's an unreliable narrator in this regard because she is filled with self-doubt because of, you know, the way that she has lived her life without being super dedicated to the pursuit of power. So she has all this doubt and she's undermining herself emotionally. And the only comparison that she has, like you say, is um, is her old mentor right. who taught her and who's basically, as far as I can tell, whose guiding lesson was... If you want to be a good mage, you got to only be a mage and be nothing else and don't have nothing else you care about but the maging. The lessons are pretty uh pretty crap, huh? It, it's I mean, the, it seems the, like kind to of be a, crap a mage, lesson. you have yeah. to be a mage, you have to be a mage. The key to magic is magic. Is magic. Yeah. A pretty useless teacher, if I'm going to be honest. I, mean, I don't know. 
I mean, I she never <laughs> called into question. Like, I feel like she nor the book called into question, like, the truth of that statement, that if she had focused entirely on magic, that she would have been more powerful. Um, you know, it does eventually question the value of magic for magic's sake, but not the truth of the statement that she would have been more powerful if she had just focused. Right. I mean, I also wonder, too, if, like, if those lessons that she got i mean we have to remember her teacher was not just another mage her teacher was john's mother so like all of this self-doubt of like oh i shouldn't have had kids i should have spent time learning my magic that self-doubt could have been passed on to her by john's mother who had the exact same experience wait wait her teacher was john's mother only for the first few years for clarification right no her teacher was Caradin the mage Oh, I, Ooh, I thought she was. I thought okay. I remember early on in the book she was talking. Yeah, you're, by you're right. John's now mother. that you mention it, yeah, John's mother was a witch, and I'd forgotten that. Um, and that was the first mage she was like she had access to. Okay, yeah, good point. But but most of like most of the time she's always referencing Caradin, her the mage who who taught her or whatever. I think I in my brain just put those people as the same person and didn't. Uh... <laughs> process that they were different people got it no yeah it. You, you, you read wrong yeah it was like an 80 year old grouchy fuck yeah you know, fucks he, 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 he was well there's another thing right he was your classic <laughs> fantasy wizard right old guy in a tower with a beard or whatever um who's all shut up and recluse crotchety and, right crotchety he's made of crotchets <laughs> And, uh, Ew. <laughs> nope, that's normal. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing grows here. And, uh, but, uh, yeah. So again, another fantasy trope that is, that is held up in this book and then shoved to one side so we can have an interesting main character who, again, is like constantly struggling with, uh, or bemoaning her failure in, the uh, the tug of war between how much do I focus on my power and how much do I live a life? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why I really like this book is just Ginny's perspective and and the story top to bottom is is kind of confronting that theme over and over again of of you know how do you decide what's important mm -hmm. to like to, to use as the foundation for your whole life. Right. And she keeps me, you know, she meets people like Gareth who has power, but it's the, uh, you know, uh, something he inherited, not something he earned. He meets, she meets Zarin who's dealing power from everywhere. And right. then ultimately like she meets Morkaleb who his power is, uh, like In inherent really yeah and it, it kind of like a gives her a sense of freedom that that seemed to be like the key thing that was missing from her that that like he revels in the power that he has in a way that like she's never experienced or or really has an example for and i think then, like, i think Morkaleb like, like embraces his nature in a way that she yeah has, that's a good way of putting it yeah that he that she is always struggled to do and in fact i think you could say that her struggle is acknowledging or identifying her nature right like yeah 
she's like am i the magic or am i the the human with human connections um and that's like the source of her lifelong struggle and emotional turmoil <laughs> and and ultimately like uh, i i think like the relationship between john and jenny and morkaleb as like uh not necessarily a love triangle but like the sort of two uh, pulls on Jenny and that uh, I mean just to talk full spoilers if that's okay alert uh, yeah. guys because uh, <laughs> uh, I because I really think that like I don't know what, what you guys think about this statement but like the last third of the book is the best part of it like yes. 100%. once like the you know there's the kind of like as soon as they are openly fighting with Zayern over the, mm -hmm. the rock in the deep and like she turns into that thing and then Ugh. like they're fighting in the sky and uh that goes on and then that's followed immediately by Jenny trying to decide like is she going to go back with John and be who she has been or go with Morkaleb and like apparently become Be a, a dragon. dragon yeah yeah which um, was awesome <laughs> all right so I, okay so i have opinions which should surprise all of you because i normally never talk shocked um, <laughs> so first of all i there were elements of this book that i just loved and it was the fact that one of them one of those elements is that i had to look up a number of words um <laughs> which is not all that common um, but especially because you brought up Zion's uh, uh, final form for the for the climactic battle, she was described as pullulating, <laughs> and that's just you don't use that word in your everyday language. I I wish I had more opportunities to pullulate. Or actually, I'm no. sorry, I'm sorry. She didn't even describe uh, the creature as pullulating. It was pullulant. The adjectival form of pullulate, um, which I didn't even find in the dictionary. Um, I, I had to. I had it. to. Is that an urban dictionary? P u l l u l a t e is pullulate, um, and pullulant would and replace that with an a n t at the end. Anyway, um, oh, just some good words. Some good words in there. Um, oh God. To be full or teeming with. Yes. Yeah. It's like describing her as this giant mutating insect creature that is like constantly reforming and like is like half swarm and half giant insect. It was like, oh, man, I love it. Um, anyway, so definitely. But I like what what you just said about the the book really taking off in the last third. I agree and and part of that is is my reservation about this book which is that for the first half or two thirds or so i found it not very compelling i i liked the things that i was reading in it i liked the content but it didn't call to me to pick up the book and read another chapter like it was easier for me to i don't know sit down and not read the book than it was to i wasn't i wasn't pulled to it to pick it up and keep reading. Um, 
And I think the large part of that comes down to the language. Um, again, I love the use of various words, but it was a very florid book. And I think that, yeah, I think that raised an obstacle for me. Like it wasn't the voice, like the voice was Jenny's voice. And I liked that. Um, it was just, it kind of felt like it over described things. Um, like I, I, let's see, I found, let's see, there was, right. So like, it's describing uh, Zion at the near the end when she's she's becoming more obviously tainted, and it says, uh, but even at her most delicate, there was something nauseating about her, like poisoned marzipan. <laughs> and and like I love marzipan; it's one of my favorite treats. It's great, but like, why why would you say that? Like it's just, it's just to make you feel guilty level, every time you eat marzipan, Peter. It, it's not going to work. Marzipan's too wonderful. Um, <laughs> I think I think there's just a level of floridity, which is not a word that I normally would use, um, that I found pushed me away. Um, that made that made the reading more laborious than yeah. I wanted it to be. <laughs> I feel like you're going out of your way to use bigger words right now. <laughs> well, no, I I actually had to think about that one because I was like, should I say it's more labor? No, it's it's more. I needed a I needed an adjectival form. It's more laborious. Um, but it's okay. You can you can decide that I'm uh, hoity-toity or something. <laughs> We've already decided that, Peter. You didn't have to tell us. Well, but I but I acknowledge the the I'm I don't know, I'm done. Someone else talk. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree, although I also would add that it does feel like I think Dan already alluded to this, that earlier in the book things like it feels like things are happening around Jenny or to Jenny, but she's not mm. driving the plot. And I think that's really why the third act uh is the strongest, is because she's really driving the plot. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that's I think the you're simplest right. explanation. I, and I think that might be an intentional, you know, design to the narrative. Um, you know, just as she literally comes into her power, she also finds her role at the center of the narrative. Um, like, I think she's kind of taken aside uh, a, a, a seat and my words aren't let's see she's taken a whatever she has she has kind of stood behind uh uh john um, averson the the dragon's bane um for years she's kind of been supportive and not like you said not driving things um and well it's, and she's like yeah. even there for only like two reasons one is that like he needs her to make the poison mm -hmm. but also like they're fairly certain that like hey this I, you can't die while i'm not around it seems to be like you know something that they right she's kind of discuss, going so right? that she can mourn him right right yeah uh and that's like that is automatically taking a back seat um and like even their group of gareth and john and and jenny like once they get to the capital or wherever the dragon is hanging out, 
the th everything's happened already and they're sort of like in the middle of the sort of evil plot that's going on and mm -hmm. like not experiencing the setup for it they're just experiencing the like sort of lull that the villain has created by kind of ensorceling everyone right so, yeah the, the, when they get there the villain's like i'm in the i'm just trying to run out the clock here yeah like the villain's plan is wait a few months for all the stuff that i want to happen and then it'll be cool yeah, which finally like inspires them to like run off and be like, okay, let's just do what we came here to do. Yeah, let's let's and move then the that plot kinda, forward. Yeah. yeah, kicks off the the better part of the book. <laughs> yeah, agree. But they spend a lot of time, sort of finding out just how bad things have gotten, and like not in a very action oriented way, right? Like they're like, we're gonna attend a party, and like we're gonna just sort of look around and have subtle conversations about sort of the politics of what's happening and learn a little bit about uh the gnomes and right. why the dragon's sort of here at all we're gonna learn uh, that the social scene is toxic and the local culture is turning against the the gnomes and that and, and everyone and that they talk to is like no one's saying like anything out loud right they have to sort of infer information and so all of that kind of builds up to a very slow beginning and, mm. and middle. Yeah. Uh, and, and then once they're like, it's almost like the characters are like, hey, Gareth, it sucks here. Let's just go <laughs> kill my dragon. And Gareth's like, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> you know, but so grabbing on to what Katie said or in passing earlier is, what the fuck's up with the me winks? <laughs> um, I think they might be because the, the Mewinks are basically short people who turn out to be like really nasty cannibals. And I think they might be another kind of gesture at other, you know, dominant fantasy fiction and a way of saying, hey, this ain't your grandpa's fantasy. Um, because like be weeks. we got halflings, but they eat people. Yeah, um, suck it, Tolkien. That's right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and if that's what they're doing there, then I think they're they're kind of, probably kind of a waste of space. Like they don't come up in the end. They don't come up in the beginning. They're really just like an aside. Yeah, it was mostly just to show Gareth and his like his rationality of we have to do everything the honorable way and then he stops from when he stopped um john from killing some random me winks and right. then and then later on gareth gets taken by them and almost eaten so it's like right. that's what you get for being nice and honorable or shit it's a me wink eat me wink world it is <laughs> isn't it yeah. And so so how do we feel about that? Like was that section useful? Like did it really contribute or could we have gotten Gareth to that kind of realization that you need to that you're not you're not in a fairy tale ballad hero story anymore? Could we gotten there anyway? No, I don't I don't think we needed I I don't think we needed. There's a huge dragon out there <laughs> shocking people into reality with his claws. So like yeah, but that's still uh, like that still feels like part of a heroic story. 
you know, killing elderly short people because, you know, they're going to eat you in the middle of the night. Yeah, what did he call them? Like, like short or like four foot tall septuagenarians? Yes. Yes, because they were they were old people, but then whoops, cannibals. Oops, all cannibals. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like there was a lot of of that kind of like world building that felt perfunctory to some extent. You like, know, I no, that's I agree. I have some notes on the world building feeling kind of perfunctory. Um, <laughs> like she's like she would introduce concepts or or put put ideas out there that just were like kind of out of nowhere and then but still spend like a paragraph talking about them yes and now i'm going to list some great so the me wings had a whole section but they weren't really needed so you keep talking about the whispers which are like vampires or maybe like spirit vampires that can lure you and they kind of hadn't they had they triggered the me wink encounter in some fashion but never became relevant uh jenny keeps talking about capital l limitations as being necessary for doing magic that is safe and controlled and it comes up that zyron uh never like oh no she must never use limitations and i thought for sure using limitations would be some some key to defeating zyron because you uh something about the way she magics but no it was just like it was it was never more than flavor it wasn't really useful as far as i could know that's that's what was wrong with the king i don't think they ever come out and say like uh why or where the limitations were happening because they were it's just that she was passing them along to other people well no that's there's but the limitations was like boundaries you set on the spells you cast so that they don't go overboard right right but like right but the no the spells were going overboard well but the thing that happened to the king damaged other people it's not what it wasn't the damage it was that the stone that she was drawing on for her magic demanded to be refilled and it was refilling from the people she was casting her magic on that felt like a different thing to me. And if it was the same oh, thing, okay. then I didn't get that message. So uh, you win some, you lose uh, some, Barbara. I, um, same thing. Yeah, I guess. Like why? Yeah, I, I still agree with you. Yeah. OK. And then finally, like it was the the world felt uninhabited almost like it felt like there were like three places. There were the Northlands that our main characters came from. There was bell which was the capital city and then there was um the citadel and the the deep next to it so like i didn't get any sense that there were other lands i just it didn't the rest of the world felt blank and empty mm-hmm. um which you know I, I, but, it's but, not but yeah. like i i feel like you can get away with that except that she would talk about the world that like there were other things other places going on and and but never really like you're saying like sort of fill in the details right of of, isn't this the first book in a series so maybe it is yeah okay so maybe they get get fleshed out two two more i think yeah really do we do they i don't know how i don't think so uh i think i want to say the next one is about one of her kids but 
Oh, they're the Winterlands I, books. Yeah, right. That's what they end up being called. Which is weird because, like, they spend hardly any time in the Winterlands in this book. Right, right. But they also do everything that they did for the Winterlands, right? Right, it, right, yeah. It's, we've been abandoned by the king, basically, and so if we do this, we do, we want uh, troops and support and, you know, we want the rule of law to return. Um, so there. <laughs> the Vikings are coming. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they sure are. You mean, the, you mean the Erlings? <laughs> yeah, I, I think they called them ice raiders in this one. I just assumed they meant Vikings. Yeah, that yeah, was another one yeah. where I was like, the ice raiders, and I'm like, I'm just going to decide for myself what that is because she didn't tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, it did feel, at some point it felt a little like, is this, is this like, you know, England or Germany <laughs> after the, the withdrawal of Rome? Like, I think I'll this, just be a little bit. Yeah. I think I'll just be a little bit more blunt and just say, like, I did not like the world building in this book. Like, I just did not. I It didn't – to me, it didn't hurt my feelings on the book in general, which I thought was really yeah. good. Uh, but, yeah, I just I just didn't <laughs> – I was not interested in that stuff. I didn't think it was – there weren't enough details for it to be interesting, and the details that were there felt unnecessary. Generic? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And I think I think that's it, what I meant when I said perfunctory was like no, I, yeah, it need to be there. I didn't need it. Yeah. yeah. Too big a word for me. It's too big a word. We gotta keep No, it but small, it's not too big a word for me. You can't hang out with Nico so much. You gotta expand your mind, you know what I mean? Oh damn. <laughs> oh, small man. word good, big word bad. <laughs> two cents radio two, rots your brain. Two you know two, two syllables good, four <laughs> syllables bad. <laughs> What's a syllable? Oh shit! Isn't that isn't that what my professors used to give me at the beginning of the school year? No. no. Yeah, yeah, they'd give you a whole lot of syllables on some pieces of paper. <laughs> or is it only a syllable if you speak it aloud? Is it not a syllable if you read it? That's a great question. I, I guess it depends on if you hear what you read out loud or if you think. Is it a great it. question? No. We need to stop talking. Hey, fuck you, Dan. <laughs> I Nick, did you listen to the audiobook? I did. Okay, I could tell because you called her Zion, which is what I would call her because that's what they say in the audiobook. Well, I did. I looked it up early, and and it is spelt Zion. And the only person who actually says Zion is John because he has like this thick accent. He's like, "Oh well, Zion over there, she." So, like, I just thought it was yeah. his accent, <laughs> but actually yeah, he's the same. only one pronouncing it correctly, <laughs> um, which is pretty It was funny. the same narrator as the narrator from They Mostly Come Out at Night. Fun fact. Yes, really? it was. Yes, it was. Derek Perkins. Derek Perkins. It's Derek Perkins. Thank you. I, do, I did want to say one last thing about Gareth, too, um, was I, I was starting to wonder during our conversation here if gareth was almost like representative of like the typical 1980s fantasy book reader Ooh, the reader hmm. like if that character was supposed to be like like you know i love you but you're misguided and i'm gonna show you why i and can see that i i, you know I can mean? see him playing multiple like all those roles we've discussed so far and that one right 
Um, um, and then I also had a thought of this. Just I'm just giving you my last thoughts really quick. I mean, we can keep talking forever. I have no problem with that. But these are just <laughs> things that have been float. These are just things that have been floating in my head for like the past 20 minutes. Um, I'm I'm surprised that when a spoiler, I guess spoiler alert, but um, when Jenny is like debating whether or not to become a dragon, <laughs> which I would think we already did say that, but um, she kept saying like. To be a mage, you must be a mage. And, like, it never occurred to her, like, well, if I'm a dragon, I'm not a fucking mage. But dragons, like, are magic in their own way. I know, but, like, isn't that kind of... Like, I thought that was the lesson that the book was leading up to. Like, I thought that was going to be her big realization to Ah, go back. And it's just not. (laughs) No, her realization is that what's the point of the magic if she's not with those that she cares about? Which, like, that's nice, and I like that, but also, like, you've been telling me for the past, you know, 11 hours, to be a mage, you must be a mage, and then it just never pays off. <laughs> well, because I think, she I realizes mean... it's not worth it! Oh my gosh, I just had this conversation with Doug before this recording, because I made him <laughs> listen to it, and oh my god! Men! Well, I mean, right, no, the, it's, it's about choosing your nature. No, right. I'm not saying Choosing I don't what? like that. I'm not saying that ending's not smarter and better. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's of course it's the better ending. But it just bugged me because <laughs> in the back of my head I felt like I was smart because I had had it figured out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you you know you just want us to know that you thought you were smart but you weren't. Right. Okay. That's so wrong. I got really annoyed with them constantly, not constantly, but like often enough to be obnoxious, calling Jenny slut or whore. Yeah, there was there was a lot of there was a lot of that, including some bit near the very end where it seems to be the authorial voice or the Jenny authorial voice or something. And it was like, I should have realized early on that that Zyron was just a slut. Oh, no, yeah, it was like like, she was just a slut from the ground who went into the deep to learn magic. And it's like, whoa, that was, it was. Yeah, I'm like, really? Very misplaced. Yeah, what do you have against sluts? I mean, we know what she has against Zion, but Zion. I don't care how you say it. But like, yeah, I mean, leave us sluts alone. Right, Katie? High five. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um. I'm not going to high-five that. Wow. I don't know where it's been. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So I, I I know I've said some shit about this book, but I did really enjoy it. I really liked the total subversion of of classic fantasy novelists. And how novel easy it was to subvert John when he was telling stories about the books he's read. <laughs> what was, was that? This? Oh, every time. He would be like, "Oh, well, it was in this guy's this is Sixicus book." Yeah, yeah. Or no, was he... it that of Thaticus? Hmm. And actually, then he would like go on, and it was super cute. Yeah, I do. I do think actually that there is um, one thing that does need to be said here, which is that John's actually an awesome character. Oh, he is. I know, he is. I know not, by he's saying not like our hero, but he's an awesome character. Yeah, I just think that by saying earlier a lot that, like, Jenny was always, like, in John's shadow, it sort of kind of implies that John is, like, oppressing her, and that could not be further from the truth. A really good point. You're right. Yeah, um, he was just no, a is. scholar who happened to slay a dragon because he had to, to save his but, people. 
Right. And he always let Jenny make her own decisions, though. He never – like, he goes out of his way to not mm-hmm. pressure her into helping raise the kids or whatever. Like, he's like, if right. you have to go be a mage, like, do your thing. So yeah, he's I, I, just, I do think that needs to be said. Yeah. That's another thing I really love about the ending is that John and Morkala both let her go ultimately mm-hmm. uh, to like make her own choice. And she sort of dabbles her foot in both places and then ultimately, you know, makes a decision. But nobody, you know, like I kept thinking the first time I read this that like, well, eventually Jenny will have to kill Morkaleb, right? He won't let her go. Morkaleb is like avarice personified to some extent. And like Mm -hmm. the, the idea that like he would release her seems without, without her forcing it in some way would be impossible. But, but ultimately the narrative kind of lets Morkaleb, Morkaleb is like defeated, by his ability to like have a conscience, right? Like that's the mortal I mean, he's kind wound. Of, he's kind of yeah. He's kind of made more human by his contact with Jenny. It's like giving a wolf a conscience, right? That like it's all of a sudden it feels bad that it's got to eat rabbits, you know? Right. Like that's sort of how she ultimately kills Morkaleb. It's like he yeah he feels like he can't go home again because uh he's learned to like put value in things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, also, the title of the book is not about John. Yeah, even though like that's Good what they point. call him. Yeah, there, there's there's like two or three other dragons, bane things that are the bane of dragons to some extent. I think in the end, the book actually like straight up says love is one of those things. <laughs> right. Good point. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, I think yeah, hu- it, humanity is the dragon's bane. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of things you could take it, and it's, I think it was pretty obvious from the start, though, when you're introduced right away to John as Dragon's Bane, you're like, that can't be all this is about. It's just an old dude, right? And Gareth <laughs> says it in the beginning. He's like, "You're not the Dragon's Bane." He's like, or, he's like, or even if he doesn't say it, like he thinks it, right? He's like, "This guy, this this farmer wearing spectacles, talking about what educated people wrote about raising pigs, is is not the hero." Right, right. <laughs> and then he passes. This out. book is so. This book is really clever. It really is. It did a lot of good stuff. And you know, even if I have some like little picks here and there, I thought I think it's a good book. Read it, and and kind of in like understand it, and it will improve your your grasp of fantasy. All right, I think we're all in agreement with that. Is it, anybody have any? sort of last words that they want to get out before we wrap it up. I guess all of the horses have amazing <laughs> names. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. What are they, Katie? There was moon horse. Yeah. She's great. There was battle hammer. Osprey. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Dumb Rowan. Dumber and... Rowan. <laughs> and cow. And cow. Yes. All f- Fucking amazing names. And yeah, what are we doing next, guys? I've, uh, where where were we? Uh, who's who's deciding? I forget already. Nick, it's Nick's pick. We lost our admin. She went she went to sleep. Yeah, this is what happened. It's the, it's, it's the Nick pick. Uh, yeah, next month <laughs> I I am picking the book that Dan picked for me. 
Was this an unsolicited <laughs> nitpick? Wow. Uh, yeah, I do those all Is the this time. Is to be a play on nitpick? <laughs> no, no, dick pick. The, the picture oh, of your penis. Oh, that's better than what I thought. <laughs> that's a better joke than the joke I thought of. <laughs> uh, next month, we are talking unicorns. So uh, we're going to read a book called Space Unicorn Blues, which does sound batshit crazy, and I don't think any of us really know anything about it. So No, but but oh, man. But I'm going to read this. I've met T.J. Barry, the author, before. and Really? She's awesome. So. Oh, good. So, we'll half, see what unicorn, I think of book, I half unicorn Gary Cobalt is sick of slavery, captivity, and his horn being ground down to power faster than light travel. When he's finally free, all he wants is to run away in his ancestor's stone ship. Instead, Captain Jenny Parada steals the ship out from under him so she can make an urgent delivery. But Jenny held him captive for a decade, and then Gary murdered her best friend who was also the wife of her co-pilot, Cowboy Jim. What could possibly Jim. go right? Jesus fucking Space Christ. Unicorn Blues by J. Barry. It sounds nuts. So Also, it has a fun. sequel called Five Unicorn Flush, which is either about cards or toilets. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right. Uh, we'll look forward yeah. to that next episode. Uh, I have been your host, your favorite, probably. But you know, it's <laughs> yeah. What's the team. ranking? What's what's the ranking? It's not a deciding. Uh, in my heart, it's Dan followed by five additional Dans. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Well, I've been your so. host, Dan Evanson. You can find my stuff at danielevanson.com. Uh, come check out the World of Juno. Our anthology is out. You can purchase it. Uh, I, I'm super excited and proud of it. And uh, please come and look at it. So that's danielemerson.com or worldofjuno.com. Uh, with me has been Katie. That's me. You can find me on Twitter at shimmybook, where I tweet if I remember I have it. Also, you can check out my bookstore, um, griffinsroostbt.com, where we have splendid journals. And uh, how do you, how do you rate the hosts, Katie? <laughs> um, obviously Katie first, mm -hmm. as it should Definitely. be. Um, followed by five Dugs. Mm, wow. <laughs> okay, that's approved. Did you did you did you write that fiction uh, and then hide it in your hard drive? <laughs> Don't tell Doug. Because you didn't hide it that well. Oh man. Don't Tell Doug is a good title. <laughs> that is a great <laughs> title. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, also with us has been uh, Peter. Hi, uh, that's me. I'm Peter, and I don't want you to know where I am. So, because uh, I'm busy writing Don't Tell Doug. <laughs> I thought your book would be called Don't Tell Katie. Oh no. no! No, Katie should know. Katie should know about don't. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> hey, and also Nick's here. I'm here. Uh, yeah, can, yeah. I mean, I do other podcasts on this website called TooManyThoughtsMedia.com, so you can go there and listen to some of those. Join the Discord. Harass us there. Uh, we have a vote going currently for one of our other shows, and I do just want to say that I I feel directly betrayed by dan in particular by dan what did he do 
I put Adam Stephen King. Really I put list. Stephen King on my list. And you I just... know he's my favorite author, but like Adam's list is poor excellence. Sorry. Man, Man I... the available Stevens. Oh, voting. Adam voting. had the most best Stevens. I, I feel I feel betrayed. Oh, yeah. No, Adam's Adam's list is hands down the best list of Steve's. He's not winning currently, so I don't understand it. Okay, well I only know like four Steves on the whole damn list. Nico has Stevo in his list. Fucking Stevo should Steven be disqualifying for all the other Steves. What is from, a Stevo? From Jackass. Oh, I've never seen. And Steven Seagal is just the worst. Nick, your list, Stephen King, right next to Steve, Steph Curry. Who's Steph Curry? Uh, which is sports, so that disqualifies oh. for me. I don't like sports. And I don't. Yes, yeah, I also have Steve Irwin. Come on. Anyways, we're getting into the weeds here. More, more <laughs> importantly, more importantly, come to the Discord and show us photographs of your bookshelves. We want to see your bookshelves full of books, or not. You know, we don't tell you how to bookshelf, but they better have books on them. Um, and so, if you share us photos of your bookshelves, we will give you a shout out on the show. Also, I'm told that if you give us nice reviews on wherever reviews happen, we'll give you a shout out, but I've never looked at reviews, so I can't. I have, and uh, we haven't gotten any, we haven't gotten any recent ones. So get on there and we're happy to read them. I don't care what they say, write whatever you want. Oh shit. It's it's pretty hard to get people to leave good reviews. Uh, It's not hard to get people to leave bad reviews, but it's pretty, pretty hard (laughs) to get people to leave good reviews. So, it is what it is. Nick will pay you money. $10 a review. Let's go. Five wow. stars. $2 a star. <laughs> How about that? I, I, guess, I, guess, I guess I'm committed. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, rate your hosts, Nick. Oh. Uh... Peter, you didn't do it. You went first, Peter. He's trying oh, to, yeah, he's trying oh, to slip my... that under the rug. Well, no one asked me. So uh, mine's, mine's Katie at the top. Aw. Followed by Katie. Aww. That's it. It's a two-person list, and it's just the same person twice. Yeah. That's wow. all the best lists go. Yeah, I'm not even. I'm not even on this list. <laughs> the best lists are just Katie twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's. I mean, my favorite foods, Katie twice. My uh, my favorite. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> now you're a meerkat or whatever. <laughs> A me wink, not a meerkat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is really this, this podcast is over. Hey everybody, Wait so glad minute. you joined us. I want to know oh. Nick's. I want to know Nick's now. Nick's Put it on the record, Nick. Nick. Yeah, come on. Uh, I'm last. That's all I know. Aww. And then a whole bunch of mysteries ahead of Nick. See, at least you made it on the list. I'm not even on my list. The number one on my the list, list is you, the listener. Aww. Oh, God, that was corny as fuck. It's, I love it, though. And viewers like you. Thank you. Years of PBS. Um, <laughs> for making me feel important. Um, yeah, is it? Is it, it? Are we done? Did we do it? Until okay. next time. Keep okay. reading. Wait, what? <laughs> Butterfly in the sky. Yes! Fly twice as high. Take a look. Alright, no, the podcast is over. It's over.